Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Next up, how Trump is leading us towards economic chaos. For that, we turn to Nomi Prinz. She's the author of six books, most recently, Collusion, How Central Bankers Rig the World. Her writing has been featured in the New York Times, Mother Jones, The Guardian, Tom Dispatch, and The Nation. Nomi Prinz, welcome. Thank you. Well, Trump has done something genuinely new as president. He specializes in creating uncertainty. Trump's method is to keep everyone, his cabinet, the media, politicians, and experts off guard. He makes sure that nobody will be able to take their eyes off of him and his tweets. Presidents before him have all pretty much tried to avoid uncertainty because the economic markets really want predictability and uncertainty threatens to bring disorder and decline and maybe even chaos or entropy. You have a new piece at The Nation analyzing the threat Trump poses to the economy. I thought your number one example of his creating uncertainty would be the tariff wars, but that is not at the top of your list. The top of your list is continuous banking deregulation. Please explain. Well, um, really, all of the five things I talk about are, are kind of codependent um, to, to some extent. The, the reason I, I chose banking deregulation is because it is a little bit in the background to trade wars right now. Um, one of the things that Trump campaigned on, or at least what was in the Republican platform vis-a-vis -vis his people, um, was that he would reinstate a modern version of the Glass-Steagall Act of 1933. The reason for that also... Um, gelled well with his voters, his supporters, you know, saying that, you know, he will take on the, the higher echelons of Wall Street against Hillary Clinton, who's friends with them, et cetera. And, and, and that played very well. Of course, when he got to office, he stopped talking about that. But moreover, and I talk about this in the piece, um, his Treasury Secretary, who uh, was a former Goldman partner and was very much involved in utilizing government support to basically raid a bank, IndyMac, in, uh, in California, um, based in Pasadena, for its, its mortgage portfolio and proceed to foreclose on numerous homes he didn't have to foreclose upon with a consortium of other uh, hedge fund billionaires. And, and effectively, um, in his post as Treasury Secretary, along with the current 
head of the Federal Reserve, who had been a number two under Janet Yellen, um, but who was appointed head of the Federal Reserve, Jay Powell, who's from the private sector as well, um, are big proponents of deregulation. That means not remotely reinstating Glass-Steagall in any capacity um, and, and moving further to actually reduce the, the constraints of even reporting what big banks or medium-sized banks would do in the case of an emergency and other crisis situation, um, which would render them more able to navigate it themselves without extra government help notwithstanding the fact they've had Federal Reserve help for a decade. Um, and so all of this is in the backdrop, and that creates like a, um, a growth of risk. It, it, it creates the, the potential of more looming risk on the financial markets and therefore on um, the real economy and real people because banks aren't actually more healthy. They're, they're showing record profits, um, but they're also subsidized by, by Federal Reserve and other platforms, and deregulating them further um, only means that to the extent they actually show their lack of true health on their own, um, could culminate also with additional types of transactions and, and practices that, that, that could again fall upon the economy. Not that they've stopped along the way, you know, look at Wells Fargo, but, but there's certainly, um, that, that's, that's a looming problem that I think doesn't get enough attention now because of all the other things <laughs> that Trump does that, that get so much more attention. Well, one of the other things that people do know a lot about and are very worried about is the uncertainty around auto industry tariffs. Trump recently threatened a 25% tariffs on autos and auto parts from the European Union, Canada, and Mexico. Tell us about that. Right. So this, this again gets to the core of his um, going back on his own campaign promises to his own uh, constituent of, of, of major supporters, some of which were workers in, in the auto industries throughout the country, um, where he basically promised to protect them and support them and, and, and you know and put them um, ahead in his agenda and so forth. And so to turn around and even threaten um, and, and even the threat of a lot of these tariffs has, has a, a major impact on things like hiring and things like production quotas and um, even investment in new technology for cars and all sorts of things that aren't even um, really in, in the full atmosphere yet merely because of threats. But when you start to go forward from threats to tariffs um, on auto, autos from you know, Canada, Mexico, um, Europe, and so forth, you're, you're not actually just threatening those countries relative to somehow boosting up U.S. production or, or even U.S. purchases of, of cars in the U.S. The reality is these, these, you know, if you look at Germany, for example, they have um, you know, numerous car manufacturing companies in the United States that yes. collectively um, employ 120,000 uh, people just, just for German cars. And, you know, so it goes on to Scandinavian cars and so forth. So you, you take a look at the fact that the auto industry itself has been very fearful. Um, the, auto, the auto industry he supposedly would be protecting with these tariffs, right, has been very um, fearful of them going through because they would lose jobs in the U.S. Um, in addition to losing sales, you know, because and in addition to losing, um, you know, potential sales that they've already forecast to have in, in the near future. They do these forecasts of what they expect to to sell and, and, and based on that, make projections of their businesses and so forth going forward, um, all of that becomes in flux with tariffs or the threat of tariffs. And these are real jobs. These are This is real um, consumer additional costs. Um, and, and this is real just, again, instability. I talk about it as entropy, um, a physics term, but basically um, that's what, whether he invokes tariffs or talks about them, 
instills. The next thing on your list of Trump uh, economic policies that are taking us towards chaos and entropy is Trump's tax cuts. Of course, Trump's argument is that tax cuts stimulate the economy. What's the story there? There, there has been on the on the standpoint of corporate balance sheets because they got the lion's share of these tax cuts, um, a propensity to use that money, um, and they were not secretive about this. The CEOs of SP 500 um, major corporations based in the United States about using that tax cut to buy their own share. So, so one of the things that has been a result of his tax cuts has been um, sort of this extra lift or or boost or something to the stock market because the companies are effectively using the money that they, they're saving um, and not paying in taxes to the U.S. government to basically buy their own shares and create more, um, you know, a financial incentive to their shareholders and, and to their CEOs who tend to get paid in shares or options of their own shares um, of the stock in their own companies. And as a result of that, and again, this is no secret. This, this, this is what they say. In fact, the head of uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, the largest bank in the States, um, Jamie Dimon actually called Trump's tax cuts um, QE4, quantitative easing 4, which was basically the, the fourth kind of level of a subsidy um, for the market. And, and, and he meant that, and, and, and that was true. And so if you're putting the money into the market, you're not putting it into wages, you're not putting it into necessarily jobs, especially with this other stuff going on, and, and you're also not putting it into expansion, you're not necessarily putting it into long-term, not putting it into long-term growth, because you take what you get up front, and then you put it into the market that day or that week or in your calendar for that quarter, or however it is you, you decide to allocate that money into your own shares, um, and you execute on that basis. It's a lot easier to buy shares and therefore push them up than to you know open a plant. I mean, it's, it's just a simpler way um, of making money for, for shareholders. So, so therefore, those tax cuts ultimately um, create this, this upward surge in, in the stock market or maintenance of the stock market where it is and don't necessarily translate into and haven't translated into wages. In fact, I think I mentioned this in the piece that wages during the time that the uh, stock market, that the corporate taxes have been in existence um, at this, at this cut level um, have actually declined by, by about 1.8%. So, so in fact, it's gone a little bit in the opposite direction already. You've only got a couple of minutes left here. Uh, you say that all these things uh together, the banking deregulation, the uncertainty around tariffs, the tax cuts tend to move the economy away from growth and towards what you call entropy. What do you mean by entropy? Entropy is, is, is basically a state of uncertainty, of, of perpetual uncertainty or, or a trend towards um, either decline or a trend towards more uncertainty. And, and so what happens is um, when all of these uh, actions are operating or are or, or, or under threat to be operating around the same time um, is that the real economy tends to tends to choke or, or tends to just operate under uncertainty, um, which isn't the best way to sustain growth or, or sustain, um, you know, real infrastructure development or, or, or any, any sort of thing like that. And so that's where all of this kind of comes together. All, all these factors come together. Um, and entropy is really how Trump operates anyway, which is he tends to instill um, as much confusion um, as, as an operating principle um, into the world at, at, you know, at any point in time. Um, and and the, the economy and, and people who make up that economy, companies that are run by these people, workers that work for them, um, all therefore get caught in that crossfire. Nomi Prinz, 
Her article about how Trump policies are leading us towards economic entropy appears at TomDispatchAndTheNation.com. Nomi, thanks for talking with us today. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.